I want to start um, with just a word, and I just want you to think about what's the first thing that pops in your head when I say this word. Uh, the word is Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus. Um, anybody think disease? Epaph, C. diff, sounds like maybe it could, uh, could possibly. And poor John picked up Epaph while he was on sabbatical. Uh, we hope he gets better. Um, anybody, anybody think Greek God? Epaphroditus. Sounds like a Greek God or, or Greek. Maybe you heard Aphrodite in the middle of that name. Uh, that might have given you a little bit of that idea. Anybody think brother, co-worker, fellow soldier of the Apostle Paul? Anybody? You win if you did. You win. And go see one of these booths pretty soon. You might have a pretty good prize there if you're, if you're lucky. Um, so this morning, um, Epaphroditus was, I'm, I'm going to talk about Epaphroditus. We only learn about Epaphroditus in a few short verses that I'll read here in a second. But I want to talk about, um, Epaphroditus was a messenger and minister from the church in Philippi that Paul started on an earlier uh, mission there. And um, Epaphroditus is being sent to serve the needs, to minister and serve those needs of Paul while he's in prison or house arrest in Rome. You see, house arrest is a little different in prison than today. While he's awaiting his trial, he's on house arrest, so he'd be shackled to a Roman soldier or Roman guard, and he would have to, Paul himself would have to be paying the rent at the place he was staying until his trial came. And so it's not like nowadays in prison where um, some of your basic needs are met. If you need to eat, some, a friend or family needs, has to, to feed you and provide for you. If you need anything, um, you have to have someone provide for you. So that's, what, that's the state Paul's in right now as he's writing this letter, uh, as, he, as he writes the, the, the book of Philippians to us, the letter to the, the church in Philippi. Um, we learn only about Epaphroditus from these few short verses in a small section from Philippians 2. So I'm going to stay there. If you brought your Bibles, you can turn with us to Philippians 2. Um, it should also be up on the screen. But um, Philippians 2, verses 25 through 30. A lot of times, Philippians, we, we rush to Philippians 4, 13. Some of the famous ones, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And, but we miss something really important if we skip over these verses. So I'm going to stay here today if you want to join me. Um, Philippians 2, verse 25 through 30 says, But I think it necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, who is also a messenger whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died. But God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but also on me, to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him, so that when you see him again, you may be glad, and I may have less anxiety. So then welcome him in the Lord with great joy, and honor people like him, because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not give me. Then at the end of his letter, he closes his letter to the church in Philippi with verse, or chapter 4, verse 18. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent me. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. If we, if we read too quick over it, we miss something really important here too. The first thing I want to point out is that Epaphroditus is an ordinary man. I don't know if you're like me, but isn't it hard sometimes for us to connect with some of these godly men and women we read about in the Bible and their Christ example that they set for us? 
it's hard sometimes for us to, to relate to them. Take, take Timothy, for instance, who we know was gifted to teach and preach. He was spiritually called by God. He was set apart, trained by the Apostle Paul to be a spiritual leader. I can't relate to that. Or, or take Paul, for instance. He became an apostle, a statesman. He became the greatest advancer of Christianity the world has ever known. Do you ever say, show me someone like me? This, this is it. Epaphroditus was not a statesman. He was not an apostle. He was not an elder from the church of Philippi. Nothing tells us his ministry was anything dramatic, dynamic, or sensational. But he had a remarkable fate to cross paths with the apostle Paul. And for this short period of his life, and be known to all the world, preserved in our Bibles in Philippians chapter 2. And, ever, and all of his life and deeds before and after this moment are completely unknown. So there's going to be a lot of speculating today. A little bit of speculating, a lot of history and a lot of research, but a little bit of speculating about who is this man, Epaphroditus. As, as many of you know, we're in the middle of a series, Love Thy Neighbor. And today, uh, the first application that I take away from these verses, if we're going to love our neighbors and love them well... We have to be available, and, and we have to be available, so, and, and we, we can't miss our opportunity. Don't miss your opportunity to be used by God. If, if Epaphroditus doesn't choose to make this trip, he's missed an entire opportunity to be known, known to, to serve Paul, um, but also to be known for the rest of eternity if he would have just said no to this calling to go and help Paul while he was in, in prison. So we have to be available, because I don't want to miss that opportunity the, the fact we don't know very much about Epaphroditus is actually encouraging. It's encouraging because I don't have to be someone or something great to be used by God. It, it, it tells me that I, don't, that I don't have to come from power or fame or money to be important, to be needed and be used in, in God's kingdom. I just have to be available and God will do the rest. Epaphroditus was that. He chose to give up and I thought this was incredible. We think, oh, so he left and he went and took some gifts uh, from, to, from Philippi to Rome. 729 miles between those two. 729 miles, a 57-day trip to minister to someone in need. Two months, one way. I don't know about you, but I hear a knock at my door and sometimes I'm contemplating hiding, hoping they don't think I'm home. You know, or, or the phone rings and I say, oh man, they're probably needing help. I'm so busy right now. Maybe I'll just let it go to voicemail, right? Or we make up an excuse. Do you ever feel like you've got too much on your plate and it's hard? It's okay to say no to the things of this world, to say yes to the things of Christ. And I think that's where we, we err. We err on the side of we, we extend ourselves in all these different areas and, we, and it's hard for us to, to be available. It's hard for us to be available when Christ needs us to be available. So it's okay to say no to those things. Epaphroditus gave up a lot. In fact, verse 30 says he almost died for the work of Christ. There, there's a lot of speculation I said about Epaphroditus. Based on his name, and if you heard his name, I, I talked to you about in the center there, you hear Aphrodite. So, so it's speculation but um, that his parents may have been devotees um, to the, the Greek goddess Aphrodite. Um, that they may have, and, and that wasn't common in, the, in Philippi. So as a Roman city, they would, have had, they would have had the goddess Venus to take that place. So because of that, we, it's safe to say that uh, Epaphroditus wasn't originally from Philippi. So if, if that's the case, that means he would have had to have moved to Philippi or he would have retired 
um, and came to, retired to Philippi and came to faith in Jesus Christ once he was there. It's also doubtful that he was converted directly by Paul. Paul uses my brother instead of my son in ministry. So it's doubtful that he was directly converted. He was converted through Paul's ministry, but not directly by Paul. Philippi prided itself as citizens of Rome. They dressed like the Romans. They spoke Latin often in their, in their areas to, to, so they could really feel they were Roman. They wanted to keep that Roman, um, they, that Roman heritage. Many inhabitants were also retired military men who had been given land upon retiring from uh, a Roman guard of some kind. Um, they, would have, they were given land in Philippi. There were also no Jewish synagogues, which I think is awesome that Paul, in, in the whole book of Philippians to them, doesn't, doesn't quote Old Testament scripture one time. It's meaningless. You have a bunch of Romans. They weren't Jews like Paul. So the, the, it brings me to, if we're going to be available, if we're going to love our neighbors, then we also have to do something that Paul does here. He meets his neighbors where they are. He doesn't expect them to come to him. He meets them where they are and doesn't even use any Old Testament scripture in, in talking to them in this letter. This also leads, some people have speculated that Epaphroditus may have himself been uh, a part of the Praetorian Guard, which is like our secret service. They would have, they would have been personal uh, bodyguards to Roman emperors. And um, it's, it's speculation, but there's ancient coins minted in Philippi that on the back have the Praetorian cohorts of Philippi um, inscribed on the reverse of the coin. And so one thing we know is true is that if, if we're going to be available, then we have to also do what Paul did and meet people where they are. Talk to them in a way they understand, not spitting out cliche Christian terms and, and words that aren't going to make sense to them. We have to meet them where they are and listen to their story, hear their story, hear who they are um, before they'll ever want to give us time to hear who we are. Um, and I think... Um, so there is a lot of speculation, but I think whatever the case is, we do know from these several verses this to be true. The work of the gospel can be dangerous. It obviously was for Epaphroditus, and Paul wanted Philippi and us to understand that. The risk, there is risk involved. It, it may not be with your, with your life. You know, here in America today, there's not a strong, there's not a strong fear of your life for your faith. Um, but, however, there are a lot of other areas being affected. Social status, relationally, professionally. We've seen a ton of businesses that take a stand for Christianity or Christian values. We've seen them hit hard by those outside the faith. Epaphroditus, though, was single-minded. So what does that mean? I heard it put this way, and it really struck a chord. Being single-minded or like-minded with Christ, it means this. It makes no difference what happens to me. Just as long as Christ is glorified, and the gospel is shared with others. That is when we're like-minded with Christ or single-minded. Epaphroditus had fallen into a dangerous, dangerous illness. And, and we don't know exactly what it was from, but it sounds like it was from ministering to Paul. Maybe it was in that 729-mile journey. But, but he was ill. And wasn't just ill, he was to the point near death. Now, Paul says he continued on, and I love this, not regarding his life. It literally translates to he gambled with his life. Now, I heard a Christian writer, Gordon Franz, he wrote a piece called Epaphroditus, the Gambling Veteran. And I, and I think I wrote it, but maybe not. I want you to hear 
um, if, if you have it. I'll read it to you. But I want you to hear what he said about this, and it, it, was, pretty, it was pretty neat reading it. Epaphroditus, the gambling veteran, the Greek phrase that is literally translated not regarding his life or gambling his life is a gambling term, and it's coined by the Apostle Paul. A Greek gambler, before they would roll the dice, would invoke Aphrodite, or if they were Roman, they would invoke Venus, the, the equivalent to the Roman goddess Aphrodite, when they were gambling before they'd roll the dice. Um, and it meant, Paul made a pun here on Epaphroditus' name, and, and, he, and he says, Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus is our person, but he uses the term Epaphroditus, which is playing on the name. But in this case, uh, Gordon Franz goes on and says, truly the dice were loaded when Epaphroditus put his life on the line for the Lord's work. Instead of invoking Aphrodite, he invoked the true and living God, and he was merciful to Epaphroditus and healed him. Gambled with his life, but gambled it with the true and living God. You see, serving's easy until it costs us something. I, if, if, paying a, if paying a price honors Christ and furthers and helps others and furthers his kingdom, will you do it? Paul tells the church in Philippi in verse 29 to welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honor people like him. Epaphroditus sacrificed and God healed him. I don't know if you caught that part from the, the initial reading. Paul says that God healed him. Right? Paul, had, Paul had a power as an apostle. He had healing power. But the healing power was used to bring those outside of faith, to help them understand God's power. Paul didn't invoke his own power. He, he gave it all to the, the true and living God. And, and Epaphroditus risked all of that for this cause. And God was merciful and healed him. So what, Nate? What does this have? Some of you may be asking, what does this have to do with me here today? We need to do a couple things. We need to accept risks. We need to be available when Christ needs us to act. And we need to have a joy attitude. We need to have a, a joy attitude. And when I say joy, I don't just mean being happy. Joy is an acronym. The J standing for Jesus first. The O standing for others next. And the Y standing for yourself last. But with a lot more joe. Right, with a lot more Jesus first, others next. Paul starts his letter to the Philippian church with um, Christ first. He really pushes Christ first in the beginning of the letter. And now he moves on to others next. So, so if we're going to be available and we're going to love our neighbors, we have to be joyful. We have to be truly joyful. Paul uses the word joy in its various forms 16 times in the book of, of, of Philippians. 16 times. Do you remember where he's writing from? Prison. He's in house arrest awaiting a trial that he doesn't know the outcome of. He's hopeful, but he's in prison and he's talking to us about having joy. It's easy for us to lose our joy when the world beats us down. And here's Paul saying, be joyful. Be joyful. If you want to make a difference in this world, be joyful. We need to be intentional with our neighbors, not just our proximity neighbors either. I love my great-grandparents' old house in Clear Creek. Now, I know it may have been generational, um, and it may have been the closer, close-knit community that, Her that Clear Creek once was. But in Clear Creek, her house sat right by the post office. And so there were always people in and out. She had a huge front porch, and I remember sitting on her glider and swing on that front porch and, and, um, and seeing people driving by. 
And I had the opportunity, the privilege to interview her um, when I, my junior year in high school in U.S. history class about the Great Depression. And she told a story that hobos that would come in on the Monin line, the old Monin line in, into Clear Creek, knew if they got off in Harrodsburg there, that, she, that, that there would be a warm meal in her house if they needed it. Is that not being available? Or, or, or I, I picture the old movies where everyone's on their front porches sharing life with their neighbors and each other. Instead, we have a screened-in porch with a fenced-in yard, right? Closed off from the world that we spend a lot of time in. It's funny the difference how we, we close in and, and move, move everything into our backyard and our, and our own private, uh, you know, our private, private areas. Separate and fenced-in from the world, we escape to our electronic devices and our closed-up house, and it makes it really easy to become unavailable. And, and I think every time I drive past her house, that, that's the image I get is all of us out on her front porch and, um, and everybody around. And I could just picture that time uh, would have been pretty special to be a part of. And I hope that we don't lose that with, with, our, with this next generation. I hope we don't lose that with our generation, that sense of community and family and neighborhood. Um, I think it would be powerful. In this world, we need to be like Epaphroditus. He had nothing to gain publicly. He had nothing to gain ministry-wise. Uh, not treating people like a project or with an agenda. Just being available to be used by God. Now, Epaphroditus' name might translate lovely, charming, handsome, which I know by looking around eliminates a lot of us. But, but I don't even have to be that. I don't even have to be lovely, charming, and beautiful and handsome to be used by God. I don't, and, and I think what, what we get caught up in is to be used by Christ, there's nothing dramatic or super sensational. A faithful Christian doesn't always look extraordinary. Don't get sucked into the fascination that our world has with sensationalism. Do the little things. Walk your neighborhood. Pray for what you see. Talk to whom you meet. Look for needs around you. The 4th of July is coming up. And there's going to be parades and fireworks and cookouts. Just be available. Be joyful. And let God do the rest. So, so why, Nate? You might be asking why. Because my life has to look different than the life of a non-believer. Ask yourself this question like I battled preparing for this, this talk this morning. What's different about my life than the life of my friends who aren't believers? How does my life look different than their life? Not, not saying that I'm better. Not saying that I have the answer. But if I, if I talk about this joy and I read about this joy and Paul's telling me about this joy and I'm not joyful, then I'm missing God's calling. If I'm not, if I'm not living what this is saying, then, then I've missed it. And, and I think Paul starts his letter with theology, but now he turns to lifestyle. Chapter 2 is all about lifestyle. How is your life different? Epaphroditus' tombstone reads this, brother, co-worker, fellow soldier, messenger, and minister. What an awesome tombstone. I don't know what mine's going to say, but I'd be honored to have it say that. Obedient to death before God healed Epaphroditus. And the whole time, if you remember, he's distressed. Paul uses the same word distressed that's used describing Jesus when he's in the garden before his arrest. He's praying and he's distressed. But you see, Epaphroditus isn't distressed about his own health. He's dying but he's worried about the church in Philippi who had gotten word that he almost died during this trek. And he's worried about them. He's distressed for them. 
That's others next. Jesus first, others next. He's not worried about himself, even to the point of death, dying but concerned with others' feelings. This week, we're going to celebrate the 4th of July, marking the commemoration of our country's Declaration of Independence. And, and I want to close here in a minute with an example of something, um, some unsung heroes who, like Epaphroditus, you may not be familiar with their name, um, but they risk it all for the sake of others, their country, and Christianity. They risk it all. And I, and I want you to hear, um, hear this. I, I read this, and it really stood out as we're talking about an unsung hero like Epaphroditus. It said, 56 men signed the Declaration of Independence. Their conviction resulted in untold sufferings for themselves and their families. Of the 56 men, five were captured by the British and tortured before they died. Twelve had their families, their homes ransacked and burned. Two lost sons in the Revolutionary Army. Another had two sons captured. Nine of the 56 fought and died from wounds and hardships of the war. Carter Braxton of Virginia, a wealthy planter and trader, saw his ship sunk by the British Navy. He sold his home and properties to pay for his debts, and he died in poverty. At the Battle of Yorktown, British General Cornwallis had taken over Thomas Nelson's home and estate for his, for his own headquarters. Nelson quietly ordered, he quietly ordered the uh, General George Washington to open fire on his own home. On his own home, the home was destroyed, and Nelson died bankrupt. John Hart was driven from his wife's bedside as she was dying. Their 13 children fled for their lives. His friends and his friends, his fields and his mill were destroyed in this attack. They were completely destroyed. He had to hide out for over a year in fields and caves, only to return home to find that his wife had died and his 13 children were vanished. And, and, and says that he, uh, after a few weeks later, he died from exhaustion. And I love that it ended with he died from exhaustion. He didn't stop. I said, God, help me to live like that. Help me to live in a way that if I'm going to go out, I'm going to go out exhausted for Christ's sake, not for my own sake, not for any public glory or any other thing, but, but for Christ's sake. Help me live like that. Um, have you joined God's family in, in, in Jesus alone? If not, as Paul talked about, don't miss your opportunity. Don't miss your opportunity. Find someone today to talk to, to pray with, find me. But don't miss that opportunity to come to know a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Secondly, if you have joined his family, like a lot of you have, be available. Be available to be used by God, however big or small. Love your neighbors. Be a servant. Take risks because the world's not teaching that anymore. If you've been part of God's family for a long time, like I know many of you have, then I challenge you, as I heard one writer say, wear out, don't rust out. What a cool phrase, wear out, don't rust out. Be a soldier like Epaphroditus and those true early patriots, even to the point of collapse, because your example will be remembered. 